May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Why is the center of human history the cross of a Jewish rabbi? Crucifixion, as most of us know, was gruesome, a days-long agony that resulted in asphyxiation. And it was the epitome of political theater. The message was clear. Rome has the power to kill you, not just to kill you, but to do it slowly and publicly. It was meant to stamp a skull and crossbones onto the psychological map of all those who viewed it, saying, avoid whatever minefield this one being crucified stumbled into. It was one of the most tortuous means of capital punishment ever devised. It was disgusting and filled with horror. And yet there it stands, unavoidably, in the middle of human history. Regardless of what you think about Jesus, whether you believe that he was God made flesh or just some poor bum who crossed the wrong people, you cannot get around the fact that human life on this planet has been utterly altered because of Jesus' death on a Roman cross. It has changed everything. It has shaped the entire landscape of Western civilization and the way that the West has interacted with the rest of the world. But why did Jesus die on the cross? Most of you have been in church long enough to know that the cross is where God's judgment and mercy meet. It's the place where punishment and love commingle. It's a place of sacrifice, of offering. It is the means of forgiveness. And all of that is good and beautiful and true so far as it goes. But too often we leave it there. And I fear in that sense the cross becomes this sort of cosmic Zoloft. It's the way that we deal with our apparent failure. We've stripped the cross of its brutality and humiliation and tacked it up on the trunk of our German-made luxury cars like it's a hang-loose sign. The peace and joy and love that flow from the knowledge of forgiveness are all essential parts of the Christian life. They are wonderful parts of the Christian life. And they flow as benefits from what was accomplished for us on the cross of Christ. But they are results of a much deeper recreation and reorientation that the cross makes possible. In our reading from the letter to the Hebrews, the author has been building a case for some time as to why Jesus and his actions as the God-man are far superior to anything in the Old Covenant. And so in the first verse of our reading, he writes that the law, the summation of the Old Covenant, was nothing but a shadow compared to the reality of what's taking place in Christ. What he's getting at is that it's the idea of foreshadowing. The law is foreshadowing. In playwriting, they teach you that if you're going to show a loaded gun in Act 1, it has to go off, no matter what happens, by Act 3. Otherwise, don't show the gun, right? 
What the author of this text to the Hebrews is saying is that all of the intricacies of the sacrificial system, all of the dailiness of it, all of the blood spilt amounts to the guy putting the loaded gun in the glove compartment. And the trigger, the thing that actually accomplishes anything at all, wasn't until the sacrifice of Christ. And so the question, why the cross of Christ in the middle of history, is connected to the question, what was the sacrificial system all about? Why were there sacrifices taking place day after day and year after year? Now, the truth is that question is connected to another question, which is connected to another question, but I'm going to spare you all of those questions in between because we just keep asking questions like this until we eventually back up into, why is the world here? What is the place of human beings in this world? Why are we here? Now, for most of us, if we were to have an omniscient computer follow us around for a few weeks doing a teleological audit of our lives, figuring out what it is we're after, what's the goal of our life, and this computer would then give us a Venn diagram of all of the things that we worry about or dream about or spend time and money on, what do you think would be at the center of all of those circles in the Venn diagram? What would be the unstated yet obvious goal of our lives? It's us. Our happiness. Our fulfillment. We remain locked in an imagination of the world in which we are at the center. And so, of course, we love the cross. It can become just another tool in our tool belt for us, another happy pill. Feeling guilty? Here, take one. Scared of being dead and becoming worm food? Have a shot. Do you need more meaning in your life? Here you go. Now, does the cross take care of guilt? Shout it. Yes and amen. It takes care of guilt. Does it remove the fear of death? Yes, and amen, I can't hear you. Does it make sense and meaning in the world? Yes, yes absolutely. But the story that the scriptures tell about the world and why it exists is very different from the story we often tell and hear. The scriptures say that the world shows forth the glory of God, that it shouts out his praise, that the heavens speak of the glory of God, that the mountains tell of his mighty power, that the birds and the streams sing songs of praise and the trees clap their hands while the rocks cry out with joy. The scriptures tell us that we were created to be vice regents in God's world. We were to be his ambassadors. People with his own creativity stamped into our way of being in the world to creatively find new ways of worshiping him and praising him in and with his created world. We were to bask in the rays of his beauty and goodness and love in friendship with him. We call that worship. But we chose not to. But here's the thing we have to understand. Evil is not an entity. It is a privation, as Augustine taught. It is the absence of good. 
We didn't choose something other than God. We chose a void. We chose nothing. Just as blindness itself is not a thing, but the absence of sight, so evil is not a thing. It is the absence of good. And the metaphor is apt because we are blind to the goodness that exists in God. We have turned inward on ourselves, and as such, we have plunged ourselves into darkness, which is nothing but the absence of light. Light is where the presence of God is, and though he is everywhere, there is a real sense in which, even if we wanted to, we cannot get back to his presence because we have made ourselves unfit. And so were we, were we able to stumble backward to him, we would be consumed. So what was the Old Testament sacrificial system all about? It was that an animal was consumed in our place. Our God is a consuming fire, right? Something has to be consumed, and so in many cases it was a lamb or a bull or a goat. But even still, the place of God's presence in the Old Testament was walled in. And even from within the tabernacle, there was another place where it was covered over with a thick curtain, the Holy of Holies, where it remained empty day after day except for the presence of God. It was a place where no human being might enter except once a year, one person, the high priest who represented the entire community of Israel, would enter in and offer the sacrifice of atonement. But the curtain stayed up. And day after day for a whole another year, the Holy of Holies would remain empty, but for God's presence. What the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us is that the purpose of the cross is to make us fit worshipers again. You see, the reorientation and recreation that the cross makes possible is a reorientation for us to actually turn and want to draw near to God rather than keep ourselves at the center. And the cross offers a recreation that actually remakes us and makes us fit to stand in God's presence without being consumed. The cross isn't just a way station that we pass to help us on our journey to self-actualization. The cross is true north. If you have truly encountered Christ, then your life will always be oriented toward his cross. This is what is meant by conversion. It is a moment by moment, day after day, turning away from self and to the cross of Christ. Toward the crucified Christ. Why the cross? The cross exists because you were made to worship. You were made to be in the presence of God, the place where his holiness radiates and confounds, the place where his mercy sings love songs over you. You were made to circle around him like the earth orbits the sun. And the cross is the place where the priest and the lamb, the offerer and the victim were one. Jesus himself is the holy of holies who allows us to enter into the holy of holies 
by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.